All right, I'm with John Tomlinson. And uh, Johnny, you're in Miami, Florida, and I appreciate you being with me. I'm here. Thank God you made it. Yeah, you it's made a little it. bit of work. That's all right. Work. Well, uh, Johnny, I, you know, um, the Top Shelf Marketing Facts podcast is about sharing business and personal insights um, uh, and just quality facts about being uh, the good and the bad and the ugly of a business owner <laughs> or an entrepreneur yes. or an expert in your business. And yep. so uh, let's just get right to it. Okay. Um, did you ever have like an aha moment when you first started your business to say, I'm going to get a business license or official name and I got to start my business officially? I did that jokingly when I was a kid working in an engine shop thinking, Hey, I ought to just open my own shop and me and my buddy Mike, and we'll call it TNT for our last names. I did that like a year before we actually quit our jobs and went and got a little warehouse and started working, kind of just joking around, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I always had an idea. That's what we would do, um, but never quite, you know, had a real business plan or anything about it. Just It was just an idea. It was a whim, and we went for it like a year later. How long ago was or what year was that? Well, we started in uh, January of 1984. And I was working, I got out of high school in 1980, and I was working for Raheely and Grady Racing Engines in Miami in a race car shop in 81, 82, and 83 in the engine shop, and building engines, and they did all the boat race stuff, and they had a Winston Cup team that they traveled every, every week with that was in the shop next door. So I worked in the engine shop, mostly on the boat engine side, a little bit on the car engine side, but mostly on the boat engine side. And... During that time is when I was, you know, talking with one of the guys there and saying, I'd open up my own shop, me and Mike, and call it TNT, and we'll do engine work, and we'll work on boats and do whatever, and kind of, you know, we were kids. Right. And you finally just said, now you were still working? So you had yes. a job? Yeah. Yeah. So how long did it sort of take to really do the full move? Like, uh, Well, what happened for- was I knew the partnership of Raheely and Grady of Bob Raheely and Harold Grady they were going they were splitting up Bob was taking the entire Winston Cup program up to Charlotte North Carolina because at the time <clears throat> at the time I believe he had nationwide auto parts sponsorship and Lake Speed might have been driving or something and they had some fun so they were moving to Charlotte North Carolina to set up in Concord there by you and <laughs> I knew the engine shop was going to be split up in the next year or so. So I thought, well, I don't want to go to North Carolina and leave Miami and work in the engine shop up there at the race car program. And the other partner, Harold, was opening up a shop in Pompano to do strictly boat engines. And I didn't want to do that either. So that's when we came up with, I said, Mike, let's go, you know, we'll get a warehouse. We know people were working on boats anyways right now on weekends and evenings so we went and got a little warehouse and we left, I left my job in January of 84. I told those guys, I think six months prior, I was going to do it because they were planning and strategizing their move anyway. So there was no problem there. And a matter of fact, when I did leave, Bob Raheely told me, he says, Hey, John, if it doesn't work out, you're always welcome back. He, but his advice to me was just make up your mind early in life, whether you're going to work for someone or work for yourself, because if you don't make that decision, you don't want to bounce around and become 40 years old and have had 15 different jobs with different shops. So he always just advised me, 
figure out what you want to do. If you want to do it on your own, that's great. If you want to come back here, that's great. So that's what we did. And I went on my own in January of 84. And I think, I don't think the engine shop split up pretty quick and Harold started his place, Coyote Engines up in Lauderdale, Pompano. And then Bob over the next year had moved the race car shop and slowly moved the engine shop up to Concord. And then he was completely out. And as a matter of fact, my second year in business, when we left Opalaka, we moved in to the old race car shop because mm. Bob Raheely still was using the engine shop, even though they were up in Concord and he rented me the old race car shop for me and Mike to have TNT for our second and third year of business. Wow. Well, Johnny, I, out of all the people I know, I can't, I can't, no one compares to your memory. Now <laughs> you can remember everything. Well, those you things know? were, you know, those were, those were certain, those were significant steps, you know, so you right. remember them. We were in, Opalaka in 1984 and a couple of 1,500 square foot warehouses. I remember in January of 1984 signing a one-year lease for $350 a month to rent that 1,500 square foot bay. And I was not flipping out, but I was like, man, that's a lot of money. Oh, are you still there? John, 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 you still there? Oh, that was going so well, Johnny. I, 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 John, John. Ah, uh, Zoom, it's the, it's the technology, so maybe you can hear me, but I've definitely lost you. Crap. Crap. All right. See if you're, see if you can chime back in. You're probably going to call. All right. You there? Yeah. I'm moving closer to where our Wi-Fi is. No, that's good. And I can I can edit that, so that's no problem. Okay, here I'm going into I'm going into uh, <laughs> next to the router. See if that works any better. Uh, yeah. Or the light yeah. is no good. Well, sorry. Can you can you turn the shades up a little bit, or the shades, or just spin sideways? There you what go. about that? That's good. That's good. Oh, I like that shot. You got to move a little bit. There, I can see the wall now behind you. Oh, dear. <laughs> Only time I went hunting in my life. What? Only time I went hunting in my life. Uh, all right. Let's 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 do a little – let's uh, set the stage a little bit. Well, uh, we're doing Zoom. A little technology issue. Johnny got cut off there. And uh, so he walked into the another room that's got sort of uh, some – a little bit for the scenery. He's got some animals hanging on the wall. You know, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're doing good, John. Hold on, hold on. The thing fell. <laughs> the screen this, fell. This is the best thing about technology, right? Hang on. How do I, Don? How do I put this thing back up? <laughs> Your little iPad stand thing, big iPad thing. Hey, j just have her stand there and hold it. <laughs> All right, for sure. <laughs> I don't know what I did. Oh. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> oh, I, I see the deer. All right, good. Okay, don't oh, yeah. touch. A deer in Miami Beach. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> this is going to be the best one yet. I love this. All right, <laughs> I love it. All right. So again, we had a little technical issue. We're gonna we're we're back to live. Now we got a deer hanging on the wall. So I was gonna say, let's jump. Don't touch anything. She said, don't okay. touch. Okay. I was gonna show you my fish tank. I was gonna make no. it a little more 
I, I've had one of those, like a 75-gallon salt water. I got so. 180. Oh, <laughs> all right. When we're done, then we can move. The light's right. off, though, but I can go close. You can see it. Okay. All right. But just hold still for a minute. All right. So, all right. Well, let's um, – you were telling us, great about sort of how you started. Let's jump to now because I really didn't completely introduce you. So tell me, you know, tell me what your business is or what you do now, sort of a, just a top-level kind of, you know, 30-second um, okay. elevator speech of who you are and what you're doing there. TNT Custom Marine is a Mercury dealership, boat dealership, service department, rigging shop that me and my partner, Mike Thomas, since high school have owned. And then we also have TNT Marine Center, which is a actual marina on five acres in North Miami, Florida. We store approximately 260, 270 boats in dry stack storage. So we operate the marina. We operate TNT Custom Marine as a separate business. It's at the marina. We have those entities, and then my son, Jonathan, I got the brewery that you know about with, Jay Wakefield Brewing, that Jonathan runs. Right, right. That's great. Well, you definitely have a big footprint, you know, down there in Miami, pretty uh, um, convenient and popular location. I remember when you were at your other location, and you, uh, you know, you sometimes were a little frustrated there and finally got in the marina, and you got a chance to sort of be down in Miami, and, you know, you rig a lot of boats, you know, you have a long history and, and, uh, you know, the only one thing you didn't say is surely you have a long history in boat racing, you know, very, uh, very successful career, definitely one of, uh, uh the best, if not the best in offshore power racing. So, hey, don't touch anything. You're not touching anything. I didn't, I didn't, okay. I just put my phone out of my pocket because I thought somebody was calling me or something. Well, I, I appreciate you taking time, John. So, um, all right, so let's, you know, again, this was about, you know, facts and insights and inspiration about business. So were, have there been many times that you want to throw the towel in and have just been like? <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say throw the towel. Been many times over the last 30 years where you're scratching your head a little bit or, you know, banging your head against the wall because you're just in a certain dilemma and, you know, you're trying to work yourself through it and out of it. And, uh, but not throw in the towel, no. But as far as frustration on, you know, maybe I change the way we're doing business a little bit. Maybe we not do this particular job and stick to these particular jobs. You know, you kind of live and learn as you go along. Right, right. How do you... And, and, and also, you know, the bigger you get, uh, you know, the more responsibility comes with managing employees and customer flow and things like that. So a lot of times that, that can get frustrating, but you work through it. Well, that was sort of going to be my next question. I mean, um, how is how did you build a team? I mean, and let's talk about your partner, Mike. Yeah, Mike is a buddy of mine I met in high school, <clears throat> and he uh, grew up kind of the same way I did, into the boats, into mechanics, things like that. So out of high school, during high school and out of high school, we actually had a marine shop class in high school. We had auto mechanics, and right next door was marine mechanics, and it was taught by a ex-boat racer um, from years ago, Bill Markey. So when we were in high school, we had that shop class for two years. And Mike worked as a mechanic during high school. And then he went to work for another engine shop. He went to work for Bobby Moore's Custom Marine Rigging Boats while I was out of high school working at Rehealing Grady Racing Engines. So we both kind of have similar backgrounds, and that's what we were into. I was also an electrician also all through high school and a little bit out of high school. And so we kind of came together and started working as a partnership together um, since we both were into that and had mechanical abilities. And that's when we just started our shop. How, how did you, how did you build, 
how did you build the credibility with trying to get customers? I mean, how did you, how did you, you get know, when we first started, you know, we had a wild dream of 1980, 1984 that we were going to work for ourselves and start work at five, six in the morning and knock off at two o'clock in the afternoon and go spear fishing and diving every day. That was our big plan. <laughs> Back when we were 21 years old, 20 years old, that was our business plan. You know, we're going to get it done early and work on some, but well, that really never happened. You know, as soon as we started setting up a shop, next thing you know, we're working nights and weekends and doing everything we can. So we started getting work from uh, just, you know, from the engine shop I worked on. Um, I think one of our first jobs we did before we even. Uh oh. Uh oh. Technology failure again. No camera. Oh, this is going to be. This is challenging. But, uh, there, Roderick? Yeah, I'm there. Good job. Good job. Yeah, Don, you heard me. Her phone rang or something. But, well, no, uh, I, I didn't hear you, but you said. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Natalie called Donna, and then all of a sudden it came in on the iPad. Oh, tell everybody not to call you. Yeah, so anyway, she's on the phone. So, anyways. <laughs> How'd you um, get first job? Yeah, so I was actually still working at Raheli and Grady. And a guy named Tom was our parts manager, knew Keith Eichert. And Keith Eichert called down there and said, hey, I got a customer down there. Can you guys take care of him? So Tom put Keith Eichert on the phone with me. This is like in 1983. He goes, hey, I got this customer down there with this old scarab and engines. Can you go do some service on his boat? So I called Mike. I said, Mike, let's go work on this guy's boat tonight. And that was like one of the first customers we had before we started Before we started. Uh, the business and we're he had an old 30 scarab with some Keith Eichert engines some big blocks with nitrous bottles underneath the rear seat and some 30 scarab and it was down here at a local marina so me and Mike started working on that guy's boat at night doing service oil changes and Keith Eichert actually had us do it that was back in before we opened the shop like in late 83 we were 19 20 years old and I met Keith that way and he trusted us to work on his customers boats so you know things like that then when we opened the shop I used to work for, you know, they had a customer they built engines for, but needed maybe boat work, service work that would get referred to us at the time. Uh, Bing Good, who owned Midnight Express back that back then in 1984, they were building boats so fast back then. We were just doing empty work for Midnight Express. We started doing engine changes for him. Next thing you know, he would send us a rig job every now and then for repower, things like that. So <laughs> basically through people that we've done work for, we got work from. And then from that comes more customers and everything was, our whole business was fed by word of mouth. It was all, it was never advertising. It was all really just us being able to take the job on and get the job done. And one thing I always told Mike said, we're not going to take a job on that we can't get done. We're not going to take a job on. I mean, that's the big thing down here in the Marine business for years. When I met Bob Morgan at Big Thunder, he never trusted anybody in Miami. You know, and I had a great relationship with Bob, but I always said, if we can't do the job, we're not going to do it. If, if, if a guy says he must have this job done in two weeks and we can't get it done in two weeks, we're not going to take it on and tell him we're going to get it just so we can have the work. Because I've always said, I'd rather disappoint a customer with the truth right off the bat than have a pissed off customer later that never wants to deal with me again, because, you know, I wasn't fair or true with them so we just always do what we say do what we do it you know and 
That, that's, that's fantastic insight because I sort of have been the same way. And I would assume since 19, what, 84, 85, 86 or whatever, since you started doing all that, you, you've probably kept true to that the whole entire time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now there's always things that can happen. Well, this happened, this broke, whatever delays us. But, you know, pretty much if, uh, you know, we just, you, you don't make a promise you can't keep. And that, that was always the bottom line, you know. Right. And we were just always straightforward with everybody. Right. Uh, that's, that's great. Well, how did you, um, did you have in that time since 1984 to where we are in 2020? Uh, and might talk about that next, but um, did you have any major setbacks or, or issues, you know, that really was really challenging yeah. for you? Uh, you know, we've, I have to think back cause you know, going back all those years, you can't, I mean, we had challenges with moves, growing pains, you know, out of one shop into the next, into the next. One of our biggest challenges, I think, was uh, when in 2000, Bobby Moore was retiring and my part, my third partner in the marina was buying that property. And he said, hey, why don't you move into that property and buy out Bobby Moore's and, and move in that property? And that's what I said. You know, I really don't want to move anywhere unless we can be a piece of the ownership. Otherwise, I'll keep rent and stay where I'm at. So in 2000, we bought out Bobby Moore's customary when he retired and moved TNT into his old location. That was a pretty challenging time because we immediately went from me and Mike and five or six employees to me and Mike and 11 or 12 employees in, in a week's time. So managing all that, getting a grasp of all that. And basically it was, a, it's still a small business and it was a small business then, but we doubled our business in one week. So just dealing with the personnel changes and the new overhead and trying right. to get that moved on, that was pretty challenging. That was a lot of sleepless nights, figuring out how I was going to do it. At the time, I borrowed, uh, I tell people back then in early 2000, I borrowed a half million dollars on the phone with the bank easier than I get a credit card today. Is that right? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I got a, you know, we had a small retirement account with Merrill Lynch and the guy I was dealing with my employees, but it was just for my four or five employees. And I called him up. And I said, look, I want to do this business change and buy this guy out. Can we get a line of credit? I got a line of credit for 500 grand in like two days. Right. And right. today, just to keep my credit cards open for the business, it's like an act of Congress every year with reporting right. financials and personal financial statements and all that. So we got that loan and went in there, bought him out and did what we had to do with expansion and spend that money and new employees and all that. And that was a, that was a tough time there, just figuring it all out and getting it all in line. And ultimately it was successful. And I think I paid that, we paid that line of credit back within three years, you know? Right. And then the next challenging time after that was obviously in early 2004 when we did the acquisition of the marina. Mm. And then making all that work. So then we, but we, I think 2000 geared me up for 2004 because I tell people the move in 2000 for us was harder on me mentally than the Marina move in 2004. Is that right? Yeah, it just, it was, it, it, it just, I think it set me up for it. You know what I'm saying? And, and a week before we were supposed to close on the Marina in 2004, the guy who owned it, he was an old school guy, you know, you know, he wanted to do everything on a handshake and that's how I like to do things. You know, the contracts, the realtors, all that, you know, just pissed him off. And when I first approached him about selling the Marina, 
he blew me off. And then he came back like 30 days later and said, well, what do you have in mind? Well, I used to rent space from him 10 years prior. And we ran a satellite mechanic shop out of that marina where we're at now. So I told him, I said, we moved into Aventura five years ago. The building's getting sold. We're all going to make a little bit of money here. I'm a partner in the building. And we're either going to downsize or we want to buy a marina. And since I know you, Sid, would you be interested in selling? He was an older guy and he was ready to get out. So we eventually made a deal with him and the banks would only lend us so much money. So he held a second mortgage uh, for quite a bit. And we did that deal. But a week prior to the closing in 2004, I got a call, said, I'm not selling you the property. And I said, well, we're under contract. We're 50% moved in. We're supposed to close in a week. And right. we're halfway moved in. What do you mean you're not selling it? Well, right. we brought a third partner in to the marina as a third partner. <clears throat> and he's a well-to-do guy. You know him, Jeff. And his people came in and started demanding the books and records and things you do during the inspection right. and due diligence period. Uh, even though we had already gone fine, hard on deposit because we're closing in a week. And he just got upset and said, look, I'm not holding a second mortgage for that guy. So I'm not selling you the marina. Right. So then I go to my attorneys and I'm like, well, what do I do? We're supposed to close this week. I think on Friday, it was Monday and we're halfway in. And he said, go talk to me. He says, it's a lawsuit. You're going to win, no doubt, because he's under contract. He must sell you the building now, the marina. But I suggest you go work it out with them, talk to them so we don't tie it up in courts and delay this thing six months and everybody spend money and ultimately he'll lose. He'll have to honor the contract. So I went and talked to him and he just said, look, I'm not, I'm not holding a second mortgage with right. my partner. I'm right. not doing it. They upset right. him. So then I called my partner and he said, take me off the deal, take me off the paperwork. Went ahead and gave me his portion of the down payment. I took him off the deal. I went back to the owner. I said, look, he's out. It's just right. me and Mike. Let's do the deal. Right. And he came back and we right. got it done another week later. And finally we were in. I can't, uh, Johnny, but I that remember. That was a stressful time. Yeah. And I remember you telling me that, but I can't believe it was 2004. And here we are in 2004. We moved in in early 2004. I know. I can't, I can't believe I, that. I know. It well, feels like yesterday. Oh, it does. Well, <laughs> because because I've been with you since 98. Well, John, I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. ask you. Well, with Drambuie. Yeah, they were a client. So I started racing for Forrest Barber, <laughs> brought Drambuie on in 1998, and I think you came on in maybe a year later, 99? Yeah, 99. Yeah, 99. So there you go. So, yeah. There you go. Got a little, got a little, yeah, uh, yeah, you got some too. Johnny here to show it. Uh, I didn't shake right. for you this morning. All right, all right, all right. Before we talk about the deer on the wall, um, well, I mean, this is too – this is the year 2020. Here we are in uh, April. I don't know, first of April. And um, can you can you believe the economic situation that we're in and, and the pandemic? I mean, what what are you doing there about? I mean, and so let me set a little bit of the stage. I know there's background noise. I know Donna's on the phone talking to banks. I got people talking. So you know, this is the new norm of of being craziness. Yeah, don't touch uh, your iPad. Don't touch. Remember, you know. Okay. So Sorry. <laughs> you're you're okay. So uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, we need to keep it fun and light and, and be happy. But, I mean, what do you think of the situation? Yeah, it's, it's a tough time. And, and you know, you know, when everybody started paying attention to this, what, about two months ago here yeah, in the States? Yeah. And Donna started buying all these masks. And I'm telling you, I was laughing at her. I go, what are you doing? I was laughing at her. And here. Good job, Donna. 
she had the insight to, you know, prepare. And that's what she does well. She prepares very well for everything. And um, it's a tough time right now. You know, fortunately, you know, we're in a position where, uh, you know, we're still able to keep employees going. I'm still able to pay employees. Um, you know, if we let one or two guys go, um, and those were part-timers and, you know, guys, we always would bring guys in if, if they, if they blend, if they work hard, they stick. If not, we phase them out and look for someone else. So I had to let a couple guys go, but fortunately we're okay right now. And we're able to keep everybody on the payroll. The Marina has been shut down. The city closed the Marina. We're allowed to do service work because TNT Custom Marine got a letter that says we're an essential business because we have multiple police boats at the Marina every week for service. So as it stands right now, TNT Custom Marine is still doing service work. We're not allowing people in the marina. The recreational boaters, the monthly storage customers, we're not allowed to put them in and out of the water. Um, so the marina's real slow right now. We're trying to keep people out, but it's tough, and it's tough on a lot of people. And I can't imagine, you know, there's so many people that are living paycheck to paycheck with families doing the right thing. And right. I really feel for people just don't, you know, that are just in so much uncertainty and have so much anxiety because they don't know how they're going to pay the rent next month. Right. And there's a lot of that out there and millions of people I think are really struggling and suffering. And I just hope people can get aid when they need it and we can get through this thing and uh, everybody can bounce back and, and get back to normal. But I don't know if we have a new normal now, you know, and Donna and I have, Donna and I have always placed our faith Um that, you know, place our faith in Jesus and God that, you know, we'll come through one way or another. And we're on our knees. We're praying a lot and we're praying for people and other people that are in very unfortunate situations and you feel for them. But at the same time, you got to pick up every day and keep going the best you can. Right. I mean, uh, what do you, do you have any foresight on the pandemic? I mean, how that you know, I, I keep thinking how long, I mean, I, I keep thinking there's going to come in time in place where people are just going to say, you know, are they going to stay isolated? Are they going to stay at home? Or are people just going to say enough's enough and I'm going to take my chances and go back to right. work? I, I don't know. I don't know how long they can keep us shut down. I don't right. know because people are going to start starving. Right. You know, I mean, I have, uh, my guys depend on their paychecks. And every right. one of my guys is worried that they depend on their paychecks. And I understand that. So I'm keeping them on the payroll as long as we can. And hopefully this aid comes through that we were talking about earlier. But I told a couple of my main guys yesterday, I said, whether you're working or not, I'm keeping you on the payroll. And he called me last night. I said, I, want, I really appreciate that because I got a mortgage to make and I got this and I got that. And so I just, uh, I hope we get back soon. I, I think we all can survive the month of April. It's just, is this going to continue into May and June? Then I think we're going to have real serious issues and problems. I think I read yesterday almost, what, 6.6, 6.7 million have yeah. applied for unemployment. That's unheard of. Yeah, and that's going to double. Yeah. That's going to double. You know, How long can that go on before there's internal anarchy? I don't know. Right. You know? I, mean, right. I don't know how long they can keep people locked down. Right. Well, I definitely think um, – I don't have the crystal ball either, Johnny, but I, I definitely think we're going to be doing this all the way through May. 
And then I'm really hoping to your point that um, we're able to um, agree with the government and they, they understand how tough it is on people and how bad this is and, and let people start working their way back in because it, it's not going to be an open the floodgate and everything's back to normal. Yeah. It will yeah, never. And I'm in a tough situation at the Marina because we've had some people pull their boats out. We have some people that think we shouldn't be charging them rent, mm-hmm. but my overhead hasn't changed. You know what I mean? If anything, right. my overhead is the same, but business is less. So we're in a tough situation. You know, you, you, we store boats there, but unfortunately we're not allowed to put them in the water. So we always have a handful of people saying, well, if you can't put my boat in the water and you can't use it, why should I pay rent? But the bottom line is if I do put them in the water and they go out, they're going to get stopped and say, you're not allowed out, go back. Right. So we're, we're dealing with that, you know, on a, one by one basis, you know, we've had right. people, we've had people, you know, Johnny, I hear a story every day. I can't, I, 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 you know, I never hear like, I never even thought of that, but I definitely hear all people that own gym and they're like, why do I pay a membership? You know, all the right. people that have yearly passes at Disney. Why am I paying for that? I mean, exactly. it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, it never, it, it, it doesn't end. It just continues to escalate and get worse. Right. Right. So uh, how much time do you spend at the Marina? Are you there most of the time? I mean, I know it's a little crazy today and I'm, I'm appreciate yeah, you. I'm, there every day. I'm at the Marina yeah. every day. My partner Mike's in the rig shop, you know, 60, 70% of the day. And then at the Marina, but yeah, right. I'm at the Marina every day. Yeah. Just between I, the Marina business and the service business. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So what's that hanging over your shoulder? The big deer. I'm not a hunter. I'm not a hunter at all. And <laughs> I was questioning whether I was going to hang that or not, but when we put this TV in this room, there was nothing else on the wall. And my brother-in-law, he's a dentist up in Palm Beach. He's an outdoorsman. And he's always asked me, you should go deer hunting with us. You should do this. I go, man, I go diving and spearfishing. I don't care to shoot any deer or any animals or anything. You know, I just, you know, I'm not into it, whatever. So finally, one year, about five years ago, he talked me into going up to Alabama. I think it was in January or something, him and his son, nephew Johnny and uh you know Johnny so he finally talked me into it him and his son went up there for like four or five days to a hunting camp in Alabama I said all right I'll just come up on the weekend I'll meet you and I'll I'll go two days with you and then I'm coming right back because I got to work so we go up to Alabama I get up there on a Friday night they haven't seen a deer all week so we go up Saturday hunt they put me with a guide I get up in a tree house and I'm telling you I shoot two deer my limit in the first 45 minutes on the stand oh geez so now i gotta sit there all day because (laughs) guys are out hunting all day so i'm done by eight o'clock in the morning i'm done i was in that tree stand at you know six in the morning by 7 30 i'm done got my limit and so me and my guy we drag it out to the road and we wait and wait they come pick us up we go back to the camp my brother-in-law and his son didn't see a deer all day Oh, well, Mike, I got, I got two, I got, you know, two. I, got, I got two in like an hour. I'm going oh. this is easy. So then the next day, this I'm only easy. there one more day. They tell me, well, if you shoot something, it has to be bigger than what you had. And the limit's two, but it must be bigger. So they moved me to some other place in Alabama, you know, miles down the road. And, and I'm in a little tree, a little box on the ground underneath all these power lines by a highway and I'm thinking, Oh, I got two deer yesterday. No one else getting here. They just put me in this spot because they ain't nothing going to be here all day. You know, so they just put me in the worst spot, power lines, highway traffic. 
<laughs> I'm there. And then I'm there at 630 in the morning. I'm telling you, I'm, I ate breakfast early and I had something to drink. And I'm going, man, I got to, I got to take a leak here. So I, I opened the door to just go pee in the woods. And as I'm getting ready to go pee in the woods, do, 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 here comes a deer by me. So I climb back in. That was that one. I shoot it. <laughs> and there we go. John, you're going to tick a lot of hunters off showing how so easy it is. Now I'm getting a signal. So I call my brother-in-law, and he happens to be getting a signal. I said, Mike, I sent him a picture. It's like 8 in the morning, and I sent him a picture. So he calls me all mad. Right. I go, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Now what do I do? It's 8 o'clock in the morning. The guy ain't picking me up till like 12 or 1. Right. And my brother-in-law goes, I can't believe you got – they didn't see nothing oh. all day again. So now I'm dragging this thing out, right? Oh. Wait for my guy to pick me up. And 100 yards in front of me, here comes another one walking on by, which I didn't shoot it, you know. Right, right. <laughs> I was dragging this one. So that's how I got that deer. I've never been back. I've never oh. been hunting again. <laughs> and my brother-in-law has been back. He spent that whole week there. They never shot one deer. Never oh. saw a deer. And I was well, telling you, him, this, this stuff's easy, man. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. So yeah, don't let other hunters hear that. Naturally, the guys that own the hunt facility says, you don't understand what happened to you, John. What happened to you does not happen. You know, it just does not happen. Right. And I don't right. know. Maybe I got lucky or whatever. But yeah. to me, it seemed pretty darn easy, you know. But uh, <laughs> I know it's not that easy. But right. So anyways, so they talked me into mounting it when I was up there. And I figured, well, I might as well mount it. And there it is. Yeah, good story. That's a, it's that's not a like good... I have a trophy of animals and all that. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not a big You got one. One and done's all right, man. One and done. Yeah, like that, that's that's pretty much it. One and done. Yeah. Well, I uh, I still not gonna do my one and done. If it if it flies, it dies. I'm okay with duck hunting and goose hunting. But yeah. uh, to your yeah. point, I I don't need to shoot either. Uh oh, lost you. Um, you'll come back. You'll come back. Yeah. All right. And uh, that's the bank calling Donna. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've done a little bit of bird hunting with him in Palm Beach, maybe three times in my life, you know, which that's fun with the dogs and all that. Right. You know, right. Shooting the quail and stuff. That's fun. And it's right. action. The deer, you're just sitting there all day, you know? <laughs> I, I hear you, John. Well, it, why do I figure if I'm not going to eat it, don't shoot it. You know, that's exactly right. Now we all believe that. So yeah. what's the difference between John and Johnny? I hear both. Nothing. Why Nothing. does, who, who calls you John or who calls you Johnny? It doesn't matter. You know, I have no idea. Um, do you have certain JT, customers that are always no, like John, John, John? No, because have... half of them call me JT. Uh, you do. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. JT, John, or Johnny. I have no problem with any of them. They no, all answer, no matter sometimes what. Sometimes I sign my email JT. Sometimes I sell it John. Sometimes I sign it Johnny. Right. Right. You know? Right. So. Well. <laughs> John, I, pre I mean, again, I appreciate you. You had a couple of great insights there. I, very interesting. The very first one, when your employer said, make a decision, you know, if you want to yeah. you know, be working for somebody or if you want to be. Um, Which is fine. It's just, he was just encouraging me not to be someone that bounces around with a million jobs in their middle age and not getting anywhere. Right. You know? Right. Right. And, uh, and there's some truth to that. But at the same time, I understand just to, for the better when the opportunity is there right uh that's great johnny well i won't take any more of your time man. i know right. it's, it's crazy right now yeah I mean, i'm gonna run to the marina now and we got a couple of jobs coming in to try and keep the guys busy next week because we're starting to slow down surf yeah, spark starting to slow down and 
we're going to take advantage of this time to do some, you know, work on the forklifts and some maintenance. A lot of people are doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Fix things up. But I, I hope for everybody this comes around and we all get through this. And, and the main thing is that people don't get sick. So I understand you got to do the social distancing and stay away. And, you know, Don and I had a little scare. We went out, we took, we got out to Colorado a month ago, right at early spring break with the kids. And right before all this, they shut everything down. So we were out in Colorado four weeks ago, snowboarding and skiing with the kids. And halfway into the trip, the week long we're there, she gets a little fever. I get a little bit of a fever. Oh, okay, great. We came home that weekend, and uh, we've been home, I think, three, three and a half weeks now. And we got a little bit of a cough. We got a little bit of a fever, low grade for two, three days. So then we're thinking, okay, what do we got? Did we get this thing? Right. All this, the kids were all over us. Everybody's around each other. Nobody right. else got sick. So then right. we call Donna, it's called primary doctor. Nah, you don't, you won't be able to get tested. We call, can we get tested for coronavirus? How do we know we don't have it? Because we have it. We don't want to be around people, this right. and that. We have the cough, got a little bit going on in the chest, a little bit of a fever, but we were constantly told you have to have 100.4 or greater sustained fever. You have to have shortness of breath. And we didn't have either one of those two symptoms, but we had everything else. So they said, you don't qualify. We wow. can't get you tested. You don't qualify. Now right. we're better. You know, I got little remnants of a cough or whatever, right. a little bit of remnants of a lost voice. Right. And Donna's fine. That was three, three and a half weeks ago. But it makes you wonder. Definitely a connection there, right? Yeah, definitely makes oh, you wonder. Oh, yeah, because you come in with the sniffles and all of a sudden you're going, oh, no. You know, somebody sneezes. Like, oh, oh, no. Oh, oh absolutely. We, 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 since March 16th, we've, uh, you know, we've got our own policies here at the office. So you have to scream the code word the minute you walk in. If you leave and come back in, you got to go wash your hands again. So, yeah. you know, right this week, I think our code word is choke, choke the Smurf. So yeah. uh, I don't know how we come up with all these, but um, well, we're, we're very clean, you know, making sure I was, that everyone's doing Yeah, it. and that's what we're doing. And, and we're limiting people in the marina. So we're not, we're trying not to get any new people in the marina. We're not letting people use the bathrooms, right? come in the office, everything outside, but... Right. I was talking to one of my customers, Dr. Bob, last night, or the night before last, about all this. He's up in Chicago. He's got a boat we store for him and take care of. He's up in Chicago, and he's telling me, he says, John, with this virus, what happens is if somebody walks in a room full of people that's sick and coughs, two to three people get it. When that same person has the flu and walks in that room and coughs, 0.3 people get it. Oh, wow. So he says it's just so, so contagious. Right. But unfortunately, it's knocking some people down, even to killing them, and other people are hardly having any symptoms. Right. So I was talking to Bob. I said, Bob, do you, you know, this is what me and Donna had, and this lingered for a good two weeks. Come and go, linger, this and that. But, you know, we couldn't get tested. We wanted to get tested. Nobody would test us. We still don't qualify to get tested. So... How do you know? He says, right. just, you don't, but just right. do the precautions because right. you could have had it and got over it, or you could have just had, you know, right. a cold flu symptom. Right. You know? That's what, that's why everyone freaks out. And I, you know, I do too. I get a cough and all of a sudden I know I got it, you know, and the next yeah. day I'm not coughing. So, yeah. So um, it's weird. I remember in last year when we took the kids out for spring break, that's the last time I was sick a year ago this month, we went out to Colorado, went skiing. I remember I said, Don, remember last year, I skied almost every day with like 100, 101 fever with the kids. 
because right. I went there and I got a flu or sick and I was sick the whole week. And by the time it came time to go home, I was feeling great. And that was a lot. So then I was right. thinking, well, I probably just got that again. Right. I'm from humid South Florida, right. over the cold mountains. Boom, you get sick. Very possible. You know? Very. I remember you calling. We don't know. I remember calling you. I had a question for you and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the mountains, you know, and you're like, yeah, I'm sick as a dog. I remember you saying yeah. that. I remember. Specifically, yeah, that was but, a month ago. So I, yeah. I don't know, but I just, you know, unfortunately people are, uh, this is, and I don't know why it takes down some people and not others. You know? Uh, I know. The guy we deal with at Mercury, 55 year old guy on the plant. I heard he passed away a week ago up in Fond du Lac from yeah. Corona, but also heard he was over 400 pounds. So there right. was some probably underlying health issues at the same right. time. And I guess that's the majority of the people that are taken right. down always have some kind of underlying health issues. Right. Definitely heart goes out to him and everybody that's got these yeah, you know, it's, situations uh, and everyone's family like that. So it's bad stuff, man. We're just going to keep praying, man. All right. Get this right. country on our knees and, uh, and just, just, Pray for help, man, because that's what everybody needs around this world is help, and everything else will come back. Right know? on, Johnny. That's great. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off, but before I sign okay. off, just in case I know when you grab your iPad, it's gonna screw up. But you're gonna show me the fish tank. So I just want to I just want to thank you, Johnny. If I lose you, all right. I appreciate the there interview. You go. Well, all I right. got no lights. The lights don't come on till like two o'clock. Okay. Well, uh, so dude. that's close up, but there's no <laughs> lights. All right, hundred and how many gallons? 180. 180 gallons. Bottom, so about 200, you know. Anemones and trigger fish and all yeah, that? Yeah, I've got some soft corals in there, a bunch of anemones, uh, no triggers. They'll eat the corals from what I'm told. A couple of clowns, yep. three or four tangs, and that's it. I don't, have much, I don't have many fish in it because that thing's on, like, cruise control. I've had it going over 10 years now. Yeah. So it's a saltwater tank, so I kind of got it on cruise control. And I like don't an open system anything. and it filters all the way down through and all that. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah. now that I don't – I haven't introduced a new fish in this tank in like four or five years, so that way – Probably a good idea not to. It's kind of self-sufficient and don't right. introduce the coronavirus to the tank, you know? Good thinking, so, John. All right, John Tomlinson, man. Thanks so much. All right. I really appreciate it. Let's do all it again, all right? All right, man. All right, appreciate it. See you, John. Say bye to Donna. All right, bye, Donna. Good job. Good job on